Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in to Talks with Tatiana. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing inequality within the education system. So, being a minority at a PWI, I wanted to bring this topic of inequality within the education system to light from my perspective. I want to begin by talking about affirmative action. So for those of you that don't know what affirmative action is, it's basically just like a set of policies and practices um, that prevent discrimination based on race, nationality, things of that nature. So the purpose of it is supposedly to make sure that there is diversity and fair and equal opportunities in schools and work environments for everybody. But to me, I feel like Affirmative action is really just a forced way to create a diversity quota. So in my opinion, affirmative action is just a way to reduce a person of color to only their racial status. And just admitting someone into a school or hiring someone for a job based off of their race needed for their diversity quota isn't really genuine to me. Schools and jobs definitely should create opportunities for those who may have been unfairly treated. So instead of just looking to hire or admit a person of color for a diversity quota, these places should be more mindful of the different experiences and hardships a person of color may have had that has limited their achievements. So like, for example, if a person of color lived in a poor environment, they wouldn't have access to like a superior SAT or ACT tutor compared to other people who have had a better environment growing up in. And so this is why schools and jobs should look into considering an applicant's full potential outside of all of their flawed measures for all races instead of forcing a diversity quota. And I actually recently had a summer class where we were asked in the discussion board, should affirmative action be in place? And I was really having a hard time figuring out my answer and even looking at some of like my classmates' responses. They seemed to be on pins and needles about the topic as well, um, because I don't know, affirmative action is just a really up in the air type of thing for me. So after some time of like actually really digging into what affirmative action is, I just kind of came up with a more like kind of neutral response, I guess you can say. So I had basically said for my response for that question was, I believe that affirmative action based on race can be definitely a bit degrading, especially being a part of a minority race, because sometimes it is very offensive just not knowing if I made it into a certain school or program because of my intelligence or because they needed to meet a certain diversity requirement. And sometimes it feels really awkward if you work at a job or attend a school with majority white people as a person of color because sometimes you know you don't know if they're looking at you in a like different light because they just know you were only admitted because of the diversity quota needed to be met and that shouldn't even really be a thing in the first place um but i do believe that affirmative action should temporarily stay in place because it allows minorities to gain great opportunities and it could also help the majority race see the talent and intelligence that 
us minorities do have. So having affirmative action could be the first step in the right direction because once the majority race sees how much the minorities have to offer, despite the different walks of life that we may have had or experienced, they will maybe be led more to admit us into their universities and scholarship programs and more, not just based off of the sole reason of meeting a diversity requirement, but also because they see that they are actually helping their program become more prestigious because we're there. So. Several minorities have experienced racism and many disadvantages due to discrimination, which is a factor out of our control. So I believe places like work environments and schools definitely shouldn't just look at lower test scores or less experience as incapable, but instead look at them in an all around matter to decide if they want to admit or hire them. But I know it's gonna probably take a while for the world to really get on that kind of level. So we have to start with the small steps. And so I guess possibly having stuff like temporary affirmative action while also still working on being more accepting, it can definitely lead us into a more right and morally correct track in the education system and the work environment too. And I also recently actually came across an article in the Dallas Morning newspaper where they discussed a different perspective that isn't really talked about much about affirmative action. And so they discussed how the privileged, they actually benefit more from affirmative action than minorities. And in the article, it talked about how the impact of affirmative action has been proven to show that white women are the population that actually primarily benefits more from these policies. But the popular representation of affirmative action is usually shown to be a black or a Latino person. And so I'm going to like pull information directly out of this article so you guys can see that perspective of affirmative action as well. And so, by the way, the article is titled Who Really Benefits from Affirmative Action? And it was written by Richard Reddick, if you were interested in like physically seeing the information from the article itself. Um, so in this article, they discovered um, opponents of affirmative action claim that Asian Americans are harmed by race conscious admissions policies. And the article also mentions how the aspect of economic and educational success is the value of intergenerational wealth, which is an often ignored perspective. And there are many advantages that come from having college educated parents or grandparents that own property or gain an inheritance that they may have started from a business from generations ago. And African Americans were prohibited by law and custom to these methods of transferring wealth from one generation to another. And some of those examples would be the destruction and of self-sustaining black communities in Tulsa, Oklahoma and Rosewood, Florida at the hands of white mobs less than a hundred years ago. The color of law actually details how law and policy continues the inequality to the present day. So the article further goes on to say that there are also considerations in college admissions that play pivotal roles. Family connections and donations, for instance, are ways wealthy families tip the scales of admissions in their favor. And so while some may argue that race conscious policies take away spots from well-qualified white 
and Asian American students, research has shown that this assumption is flawed. So if the most selective schools went to a race-blind admissions policy, it would only increase white students' chance of acceptance, which is, by the way, something that recently was kind of noted at Harvard University, which I will get into in a minute. Many states, such as Michigan, California, Florida, and Washington, have banned affirmative action, and the resulting outcomes already suggest that eliminating race-conscious admissions have tremendously impacted the number of Black and Latino students in the most selective schools. So the article in the Dallas Morning Newspaper basically concludes that the prevailing complaint is that the privileged are actually victims of affirmative action, but this person that wrote the article, they actually believe that nothing could be further from the truth than that statement. Um, while every social policy has challenges and shortcomings, by trying to make it seem like there is reverse discrimination going on with policies like affirmative action, it only further divides our society when we already have so much progress left to go in addressing our historical and cultural challenges on America's race dilemma. So in my opinion, Affirmative action is a start, but over time, I definitely think through training and educating on race and culture, schools and jobs should automatically be willing to consider minorities without a policy like affirmative action, telling them they have to admit minorities to fit a diversity quota. Every employee at a job and every student at a school should feel like they were admitted there because they were genuinely wanted and for their quality, not because of their race. And I even seen a quote that said, black students are not on college campuses to do free anti-racism work, which is very true because no minority should be admitted into a university simply because of a, of a diversity quota and because they need us there to stop racism. That is completely not our job and it should be already implemented into their curriculum. Now, I also came across another article from NBC News about Harvard's admissions. In the article, 43% of white students admitted to Harvard were recruited athletes, legacy students, children of faculty and staff, or on the dean's interest list, which, in other words, were applicants whose parents or relatives have donated to Harvard. And so because of that, numbers dropped dramatically for Black, Latino, and Asian American students with less than 16% each coming from those categories. Even my own college, the University of Florida, the Black community there only makes up 6% of the population. And other universities like our rival school, Florida State University, has even seen a 29% decline in the Black enrollment from the 1990s to now. So it now makes me really wonder if all universities have these underground factors that are helping out the white students become more eligible for, for enrollment than minorities. It's just unfair circumstances like this that brings me back to my point about affirmative action, because although it is a bit degrading just being placed into a diversity quota sometimes, sometimes it may be needed temporarily because of situations like what Harvard has faced, but like I said earlier, hopefully one day through proper training and education, affirmative action wouldn't even be needed and everyone, including minorities, can get a fair shot at opportunities because there really needs to be really just more thorough investigation in these college admission scams because there are way too many people, minority or not, that are missing out on well-deserved opportunity just because their parents paid their way in. 
And then speaking of Harvard, I also want to mention the recent news about them making their students still pay full tuition, even though they'll be taking classes online. And I'm pretty sure other colleges will do this as well, which I just think is really messed up. I understand that college is a business and they have to make their money, but at the end of the day, it is really just unfair to make students pay the full tuition just to take a class online. Full tuition really includes an all access to amenities on campus and in-person classes, which a student just wouldn't be getting for taking a course online. So it's very out of line and wasteful for a student to still have to pay full price, especially for something like a pandemic that's completely out of their control. So I just think some of these colleges really just need to have some mercy on us students when they're not going to even get the full experience that you would get for paying full tuition. And inequality isn't just seen on the college level, but also on the elementary, middle and high school levels. In my home county, which is Leon County in Florida, I actually recently discovered and was educated on that there is still a sense of racial segregation among the schools here. Um, the wealthier a school is here, the more funding per student that is given. And I won't go into every school here in Leon County because there's a lot, but there is this one high school here that is predominantly white and is known to have very wealthy and privileged students there. And it has also had really a lot of racist incidents that have happened over there and that school gets 24 percent minority enrollment well they have a 24 percent minority enrollment rate and they receive a total funding balance of 169 dollars per student now this is compared to another high school also here in leon county that is in a lower economic area and is composed of mainly minority students and that high school has a 92% minority enrollment rate and only receives $91 in total funding balance per student. That is a pretty swift like difference. So, and that's just two comparisons of schools here compared to the many others that are here in Leon County. But that difference alone just shows the segregation and the inequality in the education system with those two schools alone and the inequality in the school system here is so bad that we still have a arpertate elementary school here which is a school that is composed of 99 percent students of color so these type of schools were around during segregation times this inequality within the school system is due to the several years of systematic racism and discrimination, especially in neighborhoods where schools are located, and the lack of effort from the different level of governments to actually properly find ways to integrate schools. Another inequality in the education system that has been brought to light recently is towards the international students that are attending college. So for those of you who may not have heard, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also known as ICE, announced that international students have to leave the United States if they are attending online classes only in the fall. And so these students are not allowed to take a full course load. They can't remain in the United States. They can't receive visas or enter the U.S. through Customs and Border Protections. And the students that are still currently in the United States right now must either leave or get deported 
or they have to transfer to a school that is offering in-person classes. I just feel like that's truly not right at all. Why would they wait, first of all, to even announce this like a month before school starts? And then on top of that, international students already have to pay three times the cost of attendance to even be at universities here in the U.S. And so after dis after discussing with some friends, we definitely believe that the United States is doing this because of its very deeply rooted racism and xenophobia. Most international students come to the, to the United States for a better education and better opportunities than what their country can provide for them. So now after everything these students have done to be able to be in school in the United States, a lot of them will have to abandon their studies, which they worked so hard to be in. And nine times out of 10, it's gonna be really hard to find many universities that are hosting all in-person classes, especially with COVID cases skyrocketing. So most likely they will have to go back to their country. And that puts a boatload of stress onto these students because now they are about to have to return back to a possibly unstable learning environment. And most of all, we are in the middle of a whole global pandemic. So now they have to bounce from one country to the next and that's putting themselves, their families and other residents health at risk in their country. And so now they'll have to have their studies be interrupted and the cost of packing up and moving back to another country, especially during times like this is not that simple and it's not really that feasible to do, especially during these hard economic times. So hopefully through the signing of petitions and professors fighting for these international students that they will get to stay because they don't deserve to have to go through all of this stress all because of the inequality the United States has in its educational system. The inequality really starts to show within the education system, starting with really the whitewashing of history that has been done over time. For example, this year was probably the first time that many people have heard about or even gotten a thorough explanation as to what Juneteenth is and why it is so important. And this year is probably the most acknowledgement Juneteenth has ever gotten. So why is it that we were taught in our history classes that we were all free on July 4th, 1776, but then they conveniently left out the part where slaves and black people were not free yet. And we didn't get our freedom until 89 years later on J June 19th, 1865, which is now known as Juneteenth. There are many parts of black history that isn't even touched on. I don't even know about other schools, but I know for sure, like my high school only offered African-American history as an elective. And even at the University of Florida, they only offer it as an elective too. So now mind you, at my high school, we were required to take three histories only. The three histories we were, we were required to take was world history, US history, and then US government. So this leaves one year in our high school career with no history class to take. So why not fill that one year where a history class isn't required with black history? I just feel like there's no reason why 
there should be just a gap year in high school. And I don't know if that's for every high school, but I know for sure that the high schools here in Leon County, that's how they're set up. And I just don't understand why there would be a gap year with no history class when that gap year could be filled with a required African-American history class. And I'm talking about the real Black history. That's the type of class that needs to be not a sugar-coated, whitewashed Black history that needs to be taught. So, there are several other incidents as well of how history has been whitewashed in our classes, but there is way too many examples of it to cover in just one episode. But there are many articles out there now with plenty of examples and evidence of how history has been whitewashed in the education system. But I will provide just a few examples. So a huge part of history that was whitewashed was learning that Christopher Columbus discovered America. There were actually two continents of the Western Hemisphere that Columbus invaded, but he never actually stepped foot in what is now the United States of America. Another whitewashed example of history that we were taught was that Abraham Lincoln abolished slavery. So the truth is the passing of the 13th Amendment along with the Emancipation Proclamation didn't technically end slavery like our history books used to tell us. It didn't end slavery because the 13th Amendment and the Emancipation Proclamation didn't affect the border slave states, and it didn't have an immediate effect on the Deep South because there were slaves that were in, ter in territories still controlled by the Confederacy. So through further research, I also discovered that another thing that was whitewashed is the College Board. So the College Board in 2014 attempted to have more in-depth topics about Black history and just our the real history of the United States in general be implemented into courses such as Advanced Placement U.S. History. But some lawmakers deemed it as unpatriotic and biased. So the College Board went back and made the tone more lighter, which took away the real part of history, including its deep-rooted racism and, complete, and completely turning that course into a very whitewashed and sugar sugar-coated to fit into their agenda. So I feel like it's very important, especially during the current times that we are in that history test textbooks and courses acknowledge real history because the lack of real history we've been shown and taught has led to the ignorance of so many people. So it is very vital for our future that the next generation of students actually learn about all aspects of history and are shown the truth about our nation so that they're less ignorant and more educated in helping shape the United States into a better future. The inequality in the education system has to stop and it starts with us, the people, to do our part and we have to vote, sign petitions, and really just push our lawmakers for better and more equal education through doing things such as emailing them, calling, and anything so we can make it more, make the education system more equal and inclusive for everybody. This leads me into discussing the important headline segment of this episode. So since the topic of discussion is about inequality in the education system, I wanted to shed some light onto some of the racial things that have occurred in some colleges and how some of these colleges are attempting to correct their errors. So I, of course, want to start off with my school, the University of Florida, for seeing some of their racist undertones and taking the steps to fix it. 
So the president of our university released a document of all the changes he plans on making, such as changing some of the building names of people that were associated with racism. And he has also banned the use of our gator bait chant at any sporting events. So we can no longer do that chant. For those of you that haven't heard, the history behind the term gator bait is from the 18 to 1900s where white hunters would use slave babies as gator bait. There would even be postcards with images of alligators and slave babies being used as gator bait, and some white people would send these as a way to be mocking and humorous. So even though the president of our university and neither did pretty much anyone else know the racial undertones with the gator bait chant, I'm really proud to know that they are taking the initiative to understand the awful imagery behind it and retire that chant. And I know it's going to be really hard for some people to accept that change with the chant being gone, but it's for the better now because now that people have seen the imagery behind the term gator bait, doing that chant would really no longer even be fun and it would actually cause maybe an uproar between people in like the crowd because now that image in history has been ingrained in our minds. So at that point, it's no longer even a fun chant to even do. Another college... Um, the University of Texas has also called to rename some of their buildings as well. And they also have found that one of their songs that's played at their events, and it's actually their, I guess their school song, has racial undertones. So their school song that they demand to be removed is the Eyes of Texas. And they want it to be removed because it was first used in a show that featured blackface performances in 1903. Florida State University is even trying to get statues torn down and buildings renamed that portray racist historical figures. But unlike some of the other colleges, so far their president is not budging and he hasn't even stated any plans on following those demands. He really just keeps saying stuff like, oh, we're listening and learning, but not actually listening to what the students and some of the faculty want. Colleges can't just have Black people on their campus because of affirmative action and have us as basically their token people so that they can meet their diversity quota, but not want to listen to us when we are asking for change on campus so it can be more inclusive. Like if you're going to use like Black people to be a part of your diversity quota, then you have to be able to listen to us when we want change so it can be more inclusive and we can feel more included on campus. And it's really just a shame that it took this long for so many of these racist things on campuses to be brought to light. But now that they have, it is the responsibility of our presidents uh, at the university, like our university presidents, to make the decisions to have these things be removed so our future generation has a more inclusive environment. And so this also makes me want to bring back up the whole PWI versus HBCU debate um, that I brought up. So I know it seems easy for a person to just be like, oh, well, just attend an HBCU then. But like I said in my Black Lives Matter episode, myself and other students at PWIs go to represent our people and to show our white counterparts that we are just as capable as they are. And being Black at a PWI allows us to advocate for ourselves, to inform that we are Black excellence and we should not be conformed to a stereotype. And we get to represent ourselves in places where we usually don't get represented at. So 
again and then also some pwis offer better opportunities and programs majors financial aid than hbcus do which would fit the needs and aspirations for others more so again many of our black leaders fought for us to be able to attend schools with white people and to desegregate schools so there's no need to try to segregate them again and then lastly, this is a bit unrelated, but I wanted to just bring up the important topic regarding the abundant amount of violence that happened over 4th of July weekend, especially since that was a topic I covered on last week's episode. Several young children will never get to experience a fulfilled life because they were caught in the crossfire of senseless gun violence. Even the famous comedian Ricky Smiley, his daughter was shot three times this weekend while just sitting at a red light on her way to get food. Thankfully, she survived, but she will forever be traumatized, as anybody would. And like I said in my last episode, we have to stop with the violence. None of it is worth innocent people losing the chance to really live a fulfilled life. We have to work on unity and coming together because violence will solve absolutely nothing. 2020 has been one of the no I take that back it has been the most exhausting year of my life and I'm pretty sure many other people can relate to that because of everything that has happened and everything that we are currently facing so now more than ever is really the not the time to multiply our problems now is more the time to just come together and put our differences to the side now into the inspirational segment so the Motivation Monday quote of the week was, let your smile change the world, but don't let the world change your smile. I know it seems like there isn't much to smile about right now, but I still want you guys to embrace who you are and not let the world diminish your character. And I chose this quote to go with this episode because I know being a minority in an education system that represents inequality can be very difficult and sometimes it feels like you are not as capable of fulfilling what everyone else does but continue making your mark at places even at places some people don't want your mark on and prove them all wrong despite what circumstances you came from listen like my senior year of high school was beyond stressful i truly was worried first of all about which colleges i would even get into but now i have just completed my first year at the university of florida i got an internship before school even started which has alone opened so many doors for me and allowed me to network with so many people I've become a part of the executive board for a mentoring organization called Ladies. I've been a part of GHQ Radio in Gainesville through UF. I've maintained A's and B's, and now I have recently created this podcast. And I'm just getting started as a freshman. I have so much more to go. So I tell you all of this to say, I know that there were some people that doubted me, and there were some naysayers, and there were many roadblocks that I faced, but look at me now keep pushing again and again don't let the world change your smile don't let the world change your drive and determination you can do anything you put your mind to and if no one else has told you just know that i believe in you wholeheartedly this is your life and your legacy you are making make it an unforgettable one and as a reminder continue to take care of your mental health along with your physical health during these times that's all for today's episode of Talks with Tatiana. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Talks with Tatiana underscore 
on Facebook at Talks with Tatiana and on Twitter at Talk with Tatiana without the S after talk. Turn on your post notifications and please leave ratings, reviews, and share with your friends. Until next time, remember, stay open, stay kind, and keep fighting the good fight.